five-yard touchdown, running in the first place for number one. Harris drops back, fades to the left, pressure on, and he goes down. Ja'Garrett Davis gets home, and the all-black sideline explodes here in Hamilton. Torn to five, it went through Marcus Dale's hands, and Kyron Moore, the presence of mind to catch it and step out of bounds at the five with 20 seconds to go. Pressure loads it up, goes down the field, taking a shot into the end zone. He caught it. Touchdown, Tigertown. Brandon Banks, how did he do it? It is the breakdown. Welcome to another edition of the show here on Canadian Football Perspective. Thanks for being with us. As always, get you set for your return to play. It is our friends at Fox 40, the worldwide, worldwide. Not local, even though they are local for us here in Hamilton, based in Stony Creek. I drive past their place every single day. Uh, they're the leaders in whistle technology. For 15% off all your return to play whistle needs, visit fox40shop.com and enter the code CFP15. The voice that you heard in that introduction, of course, is Derek Taylor. Derek Taylor can't be here this week, but I am extremely excited to be able to sneak in at the very last second with a beautiful uh, sun hat that is on. Is that from the Cowboy Hat game, the giveaway there, Ben? Ben Grant. Yeah, uh, Argos, the formal introduction. Ben Grant, everybody. Hey, thanks for being here, Ben. Thank you. No problem. I, I, I decided I needed to wear something to class up the show a little bit in <laughs> GT's absence. So uh, <laughs> the, I thought they, the Cowboy Hat answered the brief. Uh, it, it, <laughs> Easily the best setup in uh, all of CFL podcasting, I believe, that Ben Grant has here for X's and Argos. And he's got the color match Sada City can as well. The uh, the Is that uh, the skinny dipping stout you got going there on the desk? It is. It is. I love the skinny dipping stout. I didn't actually plan that with the color coordination, but it just worked out that way. So here we are. That is perfect. Uh, again, our friends at Sada City always supporting us as well. And if you want to use the new promo code, important. I actually forgot to mention this the other day because, Ben, you texted me. You're like, hey, I'm putting an order in. Is the code still alive? And I was like, damn, if Ben Grant doesn't know, I have not done a good enough job pushing this out, letting people know. So uh, the promo code, we like to change it up. We're going to offer some different things down the road. But for Sada City Brewing, if you want, you can use the promo code now CFL, not CFP, CFL, and it'll get you the free shipping on your first order over $100. Again, shipping available to Ontario residents only. Must be legal drinking age, uh, but they got a ton of great stuff that's out. I had a lot of fun this past weekend as uh, I probably could have used the Argos cowboy hat, sun hat there because it was so hot, so humid, so sticky, so sunny. And I went on the back deck with my fiance and we ended up uh, dabbling into sharing essentially the four seasonal beers that we got from Sada City. So we got the mariposa sun lager and a couple of the other ones that are uh, the passion fruit guava kettle sour was delicious and just like super different than the skinny dip and stout for sure a lot of just super light super crushable perfect for the hot weather so if you want to check those out again sawdustcitybeer.com uh, is the place to be able to go i wanted to start with the giveaways ben uh because because sure. i'm just interested when you came on and said was that a giveaway and you gave me uh, relatively quick, but also I feel like there's a lot more meat on that bone because you understand Argo's giveaway culture, I feel like, better than anybody. So you said to me it's one of the great giveaways of all time was that hat. What are the other great giveaways in Argo's hat history or just in general? 
they've had some good ones. And I actually thought 2019 was a pretty good year for giveaways. This is my favorite. Now, my kids have sort of made it into a sun hat. It was a cowboy hat at one point, but this seems to have been trampled. <laughs> I feel like it had a bit Oh, more there a, it is. Hey, now it's yeah, a it cowboy like a, hat. Now I recognize it. a cooler it. Western look the first time I put it on. <laughs> I thought it was pretty awesome. But the other one that went well, again, it was with the kids, but that's, you know, that's that's giveaways, right? Yes, and, yeah. you know, they love like the bobbleheads and, and those are traditional. Everyone does those. But the SJ Green lunch bags that they got in 2019 were absolutely winners because we still use them. We, The kids aren't in school right now because of the lockdown, but even still, the other day, we're going out for a picnic, pack up those SJ Green lunch bags, and there we go. And those kids have used them every day at school for their lunch since that uh, win over the Ottawa Red Blacks in 2019 where they collected them all. So That's uh, that absolutely was a win. That's so good. And it's uh, like you say, the giveaways, a lot of the time I laugh when people are, you know, going to a Blue Jays game to fight over the the trucker hats that are the giveaway that day or whatever. I'm like, giveaways are for children. And it's, but it's like there's a reason why they're for children because you're trying to generate interest. And yes, you can reward the first 10,000 fans into a Blue Jays game or an NFL game or whatever. But we all know that 98 percent of those giveaways end up either living in the garage in the crawl space, the basement, the trash, the there's not a lot of stuff that sticks. It's kind of like the false, I guess, celebration of, hey, they care about me. I get stuff. It's like, I love giveaways that are specifically designed to, this is for the kids. This is for the next generation. I know I had talked to people before about the Thai Cats when, and this would have been, I guess, late 90s, I guess, the run last time they won the Great Cup, uh, when they ended up saying that the Thai Cats did a program where they gave away 20,000 footballs like just just gave them to schools right just put footballs into schools they're like every school gets 200 footballs and they've all got a tie cats logo on them and i talked to somebody who said that was a big deal everybody whether you were living in the north end or east end or stony creek or ancaster because hamilton is such a sectioned off city there's so many little niche neighborhoods that you can drive two minutes and feel like you're not even connected to the other place in Hamilton, but every corner of the city had those footballs that had the Ticats logo. And it was almost like this unifying thing for all the kids in all the different parts of the city that they all had the football with the Ticats logo on them. I'm like, that's genius. You give them the best toy possible. Like, I don't know what it's like with your kids, Ben, but my little man's only eight months and a little bit right now, but I give him, you know, this toy or that block or this letter. I I give him a ball fascinated like it just absolutely and it's not that he's going to turn into some you know great CFL quarterback it's that a ball is just super easy to play with you don't have to explain a ball to most kids you just give it to them they're like hey this is fun and then you know I start spinning a ball on my finger I spin it like you would if you scored a touchdown in the end zone and my little man is like whoa that's cr- that does that that's amazing I'm like yeah just give him a toy give him a ball it's the same thing to them there's certain giveaways that are just those that you remember for the longest time, like I'm sure you had some as a kid that you that stick out in your head. Like for me, it was actually the the Blue Jays with the Chiquita banana baseball bats. And I'm older than you and you probably oh, don't remember wow. those, but they're these little skinny yellow baseball bats. Oh, yeah, I've heard like, of those, but yeah, I'm not super familiar. They were really popular. And it, it was back in the day where you didn't have people lining up hours in advance you know fighting each other to try and get one of these chiquita banana baseball bats um and they were so foolish you know like what did you do with them and yet i remember 
treasuring mine as though it were a Christmas present or something like that. And, you know, I, I, I back in the day where you could go everywhere with that, I don't think you could show up to, to school with a Chiquita banana baseball bat. Now there's, <laughs> I'm sure there are rules against that, but you know, back then it was just a very different time. And, you know, every kid that went to the stadium and exhibition stadium got one. And somewhere along the line, we, we crossed this, this, this threshold where it became uh, something to fight over and something that it was sort of a collector's mentality. And it's no longer, we'll just show up whenever you show up with your kids and you'll get one of these things. But that's what's nice about the Argos games is you don't have to arrive three hours early. They actually have a lot. When they do giveaways, there's a ton of them. And so I, I don't think I've ever shown up to an Argos game and not received uh, whatever giveaway was on that night. And I think that's a really cool thing. Yeah, and for the Ticats as well, I would say down the, this direction, when they do giveaways, there's one of everything on every seat. Like they don't they do not do it at the door when you're coming in and it's only this many people and, oh, look, the box is empty and everybody behind, sorry, you guys should have been here hours before. It's just when you get to the game, go to your seat, it'll be waiting for you. And I, I love that too because that doesn't eliminate anybody and it doesn't force anyone to go out of their way to just try and pick up a rally towel. Like I've got a rally towel up in my garage of the playoff blackout. Uh, and I, I didn't have to fight and scrap for that. It was just the Ticats walked in and they said, Hey, we got some extras. You got me. You guys want some? We're like, yeah, sure. Why not? So, uh, I think the one that jumps out to me, it's funny when you said the, the baseball bat, the mini baseball bat was actually an OHL memory, which I'm not a huge hockey guy, but when I was growing up, it was a fun thing to go out on a weeknight, like a Wednesday or something with my dad and go to a Kingston Frontenacs game. And we would go down to the Memorial center and uh, we would go watch the frauds play against the Belleville Bulls or Ottawa 67s. And when we would, sometimes they would do Kingston Frontenac's mini stick giveaways. And it's the exact same idea. And it's exactly what I'm talking about with giveaways where I'm like, they're for kids. Because guess what I did until I'm sure I snapped it in half by trying to take a slapper that I shouldn't have, uh, which is what it's the inevitable demise of every single mini stick that's ever been created. But I played with that Kingston Frontenac's mini stick for a long time and by doing that you get the logo ingrained you get the name ingrained and like the, it's that stuff matters for sure so uh that's i'm glad that your kids like that hat it is funny though because you said that when you tip up the edges of your hat and it turns into more of a western vibe yeah i actually see a cowboy hat when you put it down i feel like you're about to go apple picking it does it does change the look <laughs> very dramatically like this looks cool and tough and this looks like i'm you know 80 years old and sitting on a lawn chair in the backyard. So it's, it's like somebody took a Corvette and just like flattened it down. And all of a sudden it became like a, a sedan and you're like, Oh wow. That little bit of curvature actually matters a lot. See your little guy's still young, but I'll tell you kids do this uh, metaphorically to you as well. Right. So <laughs> you can see it physically represented on my hat, but you know, this is also represented in my very quickly graying hair and uh, you know, my uh, growing waistline. So well, I'm, uh, I'm sure I'll get there. Don't worry. It's all good. Uh, all right. Let's get into a little bit here on, because uh, it is the breakdown. We're talking some CFL things, uh, a little bit of news and notes here off the top from SportsCenter. Uh, they believe this is Dave Naylor alongside Rod Smith as they're talking about the CFL Board of Governors expected vote coming up, uh, which will be, I guess, this next week to determine whether or not August 5th is going to go ahead as planned. To the CFL, the league has scheduled a Board of Governors call for this Monday. It's expected there will be a vote on the proposed August 5th start date for the 2021 season. If approved, the league will release a schedule immediately afterwards, which has been reduced. 
to 14 games. And Dave Naylor joins me now with more on another story that could have an impact on three of the CFL's nine teams. Uh, what have you learned about the possibility of fans returning to the stands in the province of Ontario this summer? Well, Rob, we've learned that a proposal was submitted last week by a committee with representatives of seven professional teams in Ontario. That would be the four from Maple Leaf Sports and Entertainment, the Leafs, Raptors, TFC and Argonauts, the Hamilton Tiger Cats and Ottawa Red Blacks of the CFL and the Toronto Blue Jays, calling for up to 35% of stadium capacity to be open in phase two of Ontario's reopening plan. Now that could be as early as July 2nd and they're looking for up to 100% capacity for phase three. Now that is as early as July 23rd. So there's no guarantee that the government will approve this. They could come back with lower capacities, but certainly it gives you some sense about how bullish the professional teams in Ontario feel about the possibility of having fans back in the stands by significant numbers in the very near future. What sort of conditions would we be looking at regarding fans who could attend? Well, the first question, of course, is vaccines. And there is no provision requiring vaccines in this proposal for fans that want to attend games. There are, though, detailed provisions over things like crowds, about masks, about uh, getting in and out of facilities, very detailed in terms of the health and safety protocol of what would go on in stadiums at this stage. Uh, but we'll wait and see whether the Ontario government believes that this is the time to move forward with this. Obviously important to the Blue Jays and Toronto FC who are playing right now and the three Ontario CFL teams hoping to play again by August. Dave Naylor, thank you. All right, good stuff there from SportsCenter. Uh, then my first thought on that when I, I heard that clip was that's great to be able to see. And then I started wondering about dates there, Ben. And the date that phase two is supposed to go is basically within the next week or so in Ontario. And then you could get to phase three, which as of right now, the proposal they are asking for 100% capacity by July 23rd, which of course would be ahead of the August 5th start date. Now, this feels really important to what's happening with that Board of Governors meeting because they have said in the last week or two that obviously they'd like to have fans in the stands and they'd like for the schedule to be able to have teams from the East not having to start in the West. If they have to, they will. But they'd like to have some type of grand reopening. Well, what better way than to have 100% capacity approved as part of phase three if all things go through by July 23rd? And you would kind of think that would be important to some of the teams in the East to find out whether or not this measure would be approved by the province before they vote on starting August 5th because those two timelines seem to match up. Yeah, it's it, it's it's going to be a stressful Monday. Like I feel like the announcement coming up, uh, I think we're going to all be sitting around, you know, checking our phones every two minutes, waiting to hear, you know, what's what what's the result of this vote. But it's so tough for them in that position. Now, I personally think that that vote is going to be very positive, regardless of what comes back and regardless of what timelines we're looking at. I know we hear reports about. The Argos not wanting to play. And I just don't believe any of that. I think MLSE is on board. I think the Argos are on board. And I think all the other teams in Ontario are, are ready to play. And so I think almost, I don't want to say completely regardless of what the, the province comes back with, but I would be surprised at this point if, if anyone in Ontario is voting against this. But in terms of the government and, and looking at what they may allow, this is certainly a, a dramatic switch from what we had been hearing a few weeks ago. You know, we had heard initially that nothing would be happening in Ontario all yeah. summer, 
the city of Toronto, we'd heard all the way until I think September 6th, they said. And now suddenly the number of people being vaccinated is climbing very steadily. We're over 60% now with single shot. Our cases are down. We were into the 400s today, which that's got to be the first time since since early fall. Crazy. And so things are suddenly looking good. And so you can see them maybe expediting this plan. And when you've got some some weight behind your proposal from MLSE, which is you know talking about all those different teams, maybe this will go somewhere. Yeah, I it's funny thinking about the you know nothing's ever going to be happening again. The whole summer we're shutting this thing down. Ah, uh, just kidding. Maybe we'll give you 100% capacity by July 23rd. It's like the whole pandemic, not to get into the political side of it, but it has been reaction, overreaction, counterreaction, reaction, counterreaction, overreaction to the counterreaction. It's just been so up and down, back and forth. So I understand it's been really difficult on these franchises, whether it be MLSE properties or CFL teams in the province of Ontario, all three of them, to try and figure out what the truth is, like what the future is for them here. But this would give a really clear roadmap to them being able to confirm and start to work on sales and ticketing and plans. And because those are things that they just haven't been able to do. And I think the best case scenario for me is obviously the same as it is for you. hundred percent capacity allowed fans are back in vaccinations are crazy high, right? Like just, I think at that point, based on the vaccination trend that we are on, you're going to have enough people that are, are two shot vaccinated that you might even have people in the stands without masks on. Because once they are fully vac- uh, uh, vaccinated, we have heard from the CDC and others that you don't have to be masked up, which again, I'm not saying like, oh, it's a huge controversy to, to have people with or without stands. It's just, it's wild to think that we were told, hey, nothing's going to be happening. And we might have people in the stands without masks on if they're fully vaccinated. If they can, again, prove fully vaccinated, do they have to show full vaccination? Are they told if you're entering the building, no matter what full vaccination or not, you are wearing a mask because they don't want people going in and saying they're fully vaccinated and then not wearing a mask. And all these variables are very much at play. But the positive that comes out of this speculation is that we are getting closer to having fans in the stands. And so we're starting to think about a schedule. And I am wondering here, as as we get set for a 14-game schedule, which I think is going to be sensational, because when you condense the schedule, as much as I love the long CFL schedule, honestly, I'll never forget Matt Kirk, who played with the Ottawa Renegades, Hamilton Tiger Cats, interior defensive lineman. Uh, He was a Kingston guy. He was a Queens Gale. I worked out with him at a training facility when I was in my final year of high school getting ready for university football. And uh, I respected so much about Matt, like just the way he carried himself, the way he talked. He was so honest with all of us younger athletes. He still worked his ass off. Like at the age that he was, he was one of those late, long in the tooth veteran guys trying to stay on a roster. And uh, I remember sitting down with him one day and just talking about CFL life. And this stuck with me. This must have been back in like 2008. Like we're 13, 14 years later. And this stuck with me, Ben, which was. Matt Kirk saying, you know, people don't like to hear this, but the season's so long. And this is before they even added some of the other weeks, the extra bye week and stuff. But so the season's so long, sometimes like a couple of weeks leading up to Labor Day or the couple of weeks after we go Labor Day and Labor Day rematch with the Ticats and the Argos, he's like, guys kind of gear down. Like we don't have a choice because this season is long and it's really, really hard on the body. And fans don't want to hear that because fans don't want to pay money to go into a game where guys are going 60, 70, 80%, not 100% all the time. But Ben, it's pretty obvious when people are going 100% in the playoffs, how different the speed of the game is. And so when Matt Kirk told me that, 
I was like, what? Pro athletes don't always try 100% all. Oh, like your dreams as a child are shattered. And then you grow up and you realize, of course, they can't go that hard all the time. It's a really difficult physical sport to play. But my whole point being, you put that into a 14-game schedule. I don't think anybody can take any games off. I don't think there's going to be much gearing down. Yeah, there's and like you're you're saying just first of all on the on the topic of of athletes finding a, an 18 game schedule really long, like you remember I'm sure some tremendous hits uh, from your time in the in the OUA. There were some mornings I'm sure some Sundays where you got up in the morning and you're just like, oh my goodness, like what is happening to my body right now? Ettore Latanzio after week one in 2013, I was broken in several places, not actually, but everything just felt broken. And Tristan Dofflin caught me so clean that free safety from Guelph who bounced around the CFL for a while. He caught me so clean on my backside as a free safety blitz that looped from the field that the ball, if anybody knows McMaster's field ended up on the street. That's all I'll say about that. That's incredible. <laughs> and so, so for, for anyone, you know, that, that hasn't played and, and, you know, I obviously haven't played at the CFL level or anything like that. I, I would imagine that it's like getting in a car crash every week and to try and gear yourself up for 18 of those. And of course, you know, you're being paid and you're excited and you want to win, but you know, getting back into that, getting back into that, uh, you know, test driving car week after week after week, uh, it, it's it's got a grind. And I think we're going to see some of the results of that based on this NFL season, which is a week longer. And don't be surprised if, you know, you're checking your fantasy results and one of your studs is like, you know, he's not performing this week or not performing the next because it's it, it's tough. 16 was long already. 17, you know, is is a big difference. It's only one week, but it does matter. And yeah. I think you're right. This 14 game schedule, I think could be amazing. And now my concern from it, just sort of switching gears here, you're happy with the 14 game schedule as somebody who resides in Hamilton and, uh, and has all more Tiger Cats ties than, than anyone I know. Um, the Tiger Cats, I can't wait for a 14 game schedule because they are ready to go. There's so little t- yeah. turnover, coaching staff, players, the Ticats may get off to a six and zero start before anyone else even knows what day it is. And meanwhile, you look at the, the roster turnover for and coaching staff turnover for like Ottawa, Toronto, obviously, um, you know, BC with the new coaching staff. Um, it's going to be tough. Some of these teams are going to take several weeks to get going. And, you know, never mind if that means four weeks starting out West. I don't even want to think about that, but yeah, it's, it's tough. And, and how many losses can you start with? before you're in trouble, before it becomes must win. That, that's exciting. That's a great question. How many, honestly, how many losses? And I'm, I, this could be any team from the East. It could be any team from the West. But in a 14-game schedule, what is the cutoff point? Honestly, uh, it's, I think if you were to start, and again, mathematically, it's obviously going to matter with who's around you and what the rest of the division looks like. But if you were to start 0-2, you're cutting it close depending on how everybody else in the division is doing. If you were to start 0 and 3 or 1 and 4 and and you're down 5 games, right? In a 14 game schedule, you're 1 and 4. Like you might be buried. Like that's the whole thing that I'm looking at here is in a month, in the first month if we start August 5th, by the time that we get to September and hopefully the kids are going back to school and more and more things are becoming normal, if we get to September you might have a sense for where this is all headed. And that's why I like the 14 game. Now I, I'll say for the record, 
I don't like 14 games in a regular year. I love the longer schedule. I love the summer into the fall, into the early winter. Like it's the tradition of that. And even whether we get it bumped up or not, or XFL things happen or whatever, that's a discussion for a different day. But to have a 14 game schedule, I'm taking the positives from it in 2021, because it means that we have a schedule. If we get bumped down for some reason, unforeseen circumstances to a 12 game schedule, Sure, I still love that. Anything less than 10, I get a little icky because then all of a sudden it's like every game is an actual do or die playoff game, which I don't think really helps anybody other than to put the game on television and remind people that you exist, which obviously is important. But to be able to have 14 games where, and I I made this point to Derek Taylor on the sports cage today, where I said, the idea of gearing down, it's real and guys won't be able to do that. But one of the things that I love, and I know you do too, Ben, is the randomness of the Canadian Football League and the standings year in, year out. Like every year I look at the West Division and I can make a case. Mike Riley is going to win the West. Trevor Harris, Jamie Lozano are going to win the West. Bo Levi is going to bounce back. He's going to win the West. Cody Fajardo is going to take another step with Jason Moss. He's going to win the West. Zach Lars is going to be a stud. Special teams in the defense of the Bombers, they're going to win the West. You can make an argument for every single team out there. And that's just in a normal year. Now, Factor in that we have less games to separate everybody, to really see all of this stuff shake out. And I'm looking at the East, and I don't expect anything of Ottawa. But the problem is they have a quarterback and a head coach who very clearly understand how to work together. They maximize talent. They have a defense coached by Mike Benavides, who knows his stuff backwards and forwards. They don't have a ton of talent. That's obviously going to be, a, a, I think, a bit of a linchpin in the whole discussion about getting people together quickly and formulating this. But I, I just laugh at the idea of people writing off Ottawa. If it was a 21-game schedule, yeah, I think Ottawa would be out of it. They'd be at the bottom. They'd be a 4-5 or five win team, that kind of thing. But I'm looking at a 14-game schedule. What's to say Lapalise doesn't squeeze more of the offense than he should? What's to say they don't create a couple more turnovers here or there? A couple of quarterbacks have bad games against them. And all of a sudden, you know, Hamilton, maybe they get dinged a little bit more than they should. Injuries pop up, soft tissue stuff, 21-day training camp, all the rest. If they get that, then it's like, who's to say after a month and a half, Hamilton and Ottawa both aren't three and three. It's unfathomable, but going out of a pandemic and into a shortened season, we could have a situation, which I'm kind of cheering for a little bit, that by the middle of this or three-quarter pull mark or whatever mark you want to put out there, where everybody's kind of even heading down the stretch, because that would just be mayhem, and that would be fantastic for viewers. I would love to see that. I, I don't know it's going to happen. There are a few teams I have concerns about, but but every one of those teams has the quarterback-coach combination. Like, I have concerns about BC, but you know, they've, they've got a coach I really like, a quarterback I really like. They've, you know, in Ottawa, you said this, you know, the same thing. And th- there really aren't when you look across the league, I'm not concerned about any team's quarterback coach combination. And that could, you know, that could mean like you're, you're saying anyone can win. And, you know, just as well as anyone, a hot streak in the CFL, you know, a team can just catch fire. Every, every Argos Grey Cup, except for like one over the, over the last you know, 30 years has been a team that you know, maybe had some struggles and then suddenly they caught fire at the right time. Winnipeg last year, like what was Winnipeg going into the playoffs? They're 11 and, 11 and seven, I think last year, third place in the West. And then suddenly, and with, with like quarterbacks falling apart and, and duct taping pieces together. And then suddenly they go on the run and they win the great cup and everyone thinks, 
they're the greatest team of the year. And, you know, they, they played well when it mattered, but they got hot at the right time too. And in a 14 game season, you're going to find these hot and cold spells and football injuries too. Right. So it doesn't have to be a season ending injury to be impactful. You, you miss six games in a 14 game season and that's that's a huge loss. If I mean in Hamilton, because I keep bringing it back to them as kind of the favorites in the East, based on the talent level and, and the continuity and all that. But I mean, if Speedy B gets a, like a, a turf toe like he did in 2019, and he's either affected or out for a couple of games, if you have somebody who gets just like a run of the mill football injury, to your point, Ben, and they are out four weeks, that's almost a third of your season. Like all of a sudden, an important piece is out for that, and you have to find a replacement. And so, yeah, the the injuries will factor into it, no doubt. The other thing I wanted to say about the quarterback coach combination across the league is we're really lucky because we got a great mix right now of the established veteran guys, whether it be coaches or quarterbacks. And we've got the younger guys like Arbuckles paired up there with Dinwiddie, and you got Vernon Adams Jr. Kahari's doing his thing, and we've got all of these great pairings and I always think of it because I grew up playing this NBA jam basketball game right NBA hang time that everybody loves is like two on two head coach quarterback and they go head to head they have a couple of attributes and we you can change Dennis Rodman's hair color by pressing B uh, but when I, I see the setup we have across the league what it honestly is going to create and this is unfair but this is the reality of quarterbacking head coaching professional football why we love this stuff why it's such a great discussion always is that because we think of all of these groups really highly because they've all got such great potential. Whoever ends up falling in the bottom two in the West and the bottom one or bottom two in the East is going to be looked at as a failure because if Arbuckle and Dinwiddie don't get the Argos up into that top two in the East, we're going to say, well, what happened? If Vernon Adams Jr. and Kahari Jones don't get them into the top two in the East, we're going to say, well, I can't believe they didn't figure it out. Wow. Lapalise and Nichols, they weren't able to put the band back together and get up into the top two in what went wrong? Like we're always going to, no matter what the reasoning, if you don't get in the top two in the East or you get to the, you know, avoid the crossover or whatever, it's, it's set up. The discussion is set up for us to blame people, which I'm not a fan of blaming people. I'd rather celebrate the greatness, but because we think of all them all so highly at the start of the season, as soon as they don't have the success that we inevitably expect from them, an expectation is the, the greatest challenge to being able to, challenge you know get to your goals now you're looking at a spot where it's like if mike riley has a poor year are we going to blame rick campbell or are we going to say that ah, mike riley might be kind of head towards the back end of his career i'm not sure how this is going to turn out again it's it's unfair but that's how this conversation is kind of shaped and we get to watch it unfold hopefully once we get the positive vote for 14 games and i i think i think la police probably is the only one who gets a complete pass because i think people are aware of the, the state of uh, Ottawa's roster at the moment. They, people know there's, there's not the same level of talent that they had a few years ago. And so I think he probably gets a bit of a free pass for, for at least a season. But you're right, everybody else is, is already, like think of this, we're, we're, we don't even know for sure there's gonna be a season and we've got coaches on the hot seat already. <laughs> and, but that's what the 14 game schedule does for you. And that's, and that's life in the CFL too. But I, I, worry about, I worry about Coach Dinwiddie and I worry about Nick Arbuckle because when you look at the Toronto roster and you go up and down the positional groups on paper, and I know it's not a game that's played on paper, but on paper, there's so much strength in every area. And the only two places where you see inexperience or a sort of lack of resume and lack of proof, it's at quarterback 
and it's the coaching staff. Yeah. And I'm so stressed for those guys because I can't imagine <laughs> how much pressure is on them because this staff wasn't brought in to be a great cup contender. They were brought in for a rebuild, right? Two years ago when they were brought into this, it was like, okay, we'll rebuild. We'll, we'll retool. We'll give a couple of years and then we'll, we'll take a stab at it. But things happened. The pandemic happened and things changed. And suddenly there's this whole new team in there for this season. And that's a ton of pressure on, on coach Dinwiddie and his staff and on Nick Arbuckle guys that just, they're the only places you can point to on a roster and say, yeah, that that's one area where there's limited experience. Yeah, absolutely. Uh, I wanted to round out this edition of the breakdown as it's great to have Ben Grant in here. I'm really enjoying having you being a part of this, Ben. And thank you. And, and also check out cfperspective.com uh, for Ben's articles on the Argos specifically, because uh, it's, it's really good insight. If you want to go and grab some of that stuff, if you're an Argos fan or just a fan of the CFL, it's really, really good. Uh, but I'm wondering if you have one wish, maybe I don't want to put you on the spot here. So I got something I want to talk about, but one wish for the CFL schedule, whether it be the opening game for the Argos or something you want to see across the board. But before we get there for your wish, um, I do want to just bring up this uh, again, because it's called the breakdown and we do some analytical stuff, DT and myself, the 2020 CFL schedule, when it came out, it had moved away from the trend of divisional games down the stretch. And I looked at the numbers on this since 2017, which is when I started being a nerd. Uh, that I actually realized that in 2017, in the final three weeks of the regular season, 70.8% of the games were divisional. So that was 2017, it was 70.8. In 2018, it was 100% of the games in the final three weeks were divisional. In 2019, it was 100% the games in the final three weeks were divisional. In 2020, it was 18%. Now, this is before schedule change. Remember, this is they released this thing in like Christmas of 2019. Everything's totally normal at that point. We don't even know what the hell a COVID is. And so they went away from the divisional finishes down the stretch. Now, I found that super interesting because when I saw in 2017, 18, and 19 that it was full divisional, I talked to some people at the CFL and said, why'd you do this? They said, we had seen some metrics on the NFL late in the season divisional matchups, games that have stakes, games that matter, players needing to play, starters needing to be involved. That stuff drives television ratings. That stuff drives fantasy, gambling, all of it, right? You can't have these boring games at the end of the year that don't matter against two opponents, don't give a damn against each other. And the CFL said, let's do it. Divisional, all of them. In 2020, they all went down to 18%. The only game that I had in week 20 on the 2020 schedule was Winnipeg against BC. And in week 21, the only divisional game was Saskatchewan-Calgary. Other than that, it was all East versus West. So something to keep an eye on, hoping, again, fingers crossed, that we get the schedule released immediately after this thing gets voted positive and we're all systems go for August 5th. What are they going to do with the end of the 14-game schedule? Because if they have to start with the East teams in the West, you're absolutely going to see the divisional games down the stretch. But if they don't, if this thing we've talked about here ends up getting approved by the province and they can have fans in the stands and they can start some of the season at home, then what do they do with the end of the season? And what does that mean for this condensed schedule and the chaos of a 14-game schedule? Just something to keep an eye and ear on when this all starts to shake out. 
I feel like I need to know the answer to that now with the with the 2020 schedule. Like, why was there such an about face? Because I, I get the rationale for having yeah. divisional games late in the season. It's great. Yeah, it makes sense. Playoff position. Um, you, you, you want those exciting games to get fans hyped up for the playoff runs and, and everything else. But that sounds very deliberate. I don't think that's by accident that you no. go from from what was it? hundred percent that you it was a, it was 70 percent, 100 percent, 100 percent. 18 18 yeah that's that that's not that's not a statistical anomaly that's deliberate and so you know what was the rationale behind that i wonder i would love to know and mm-hmm. you know maybe that's something that, that we can find out at a later date but that's that's interesting so for in sure. terms of you turned it over to me for my wish for the schedule yeah. and what i want to see i would be completely fine if we get our divisional games late so my wish is I don't want to see Hamilton or Saskatchewan for six weeks. That's my <laughs> schedule wish because the Argos are going to take some time to build up steam. And there's nothing that is going to derail that quicker than having to run into a, a Ticats or, or Rough Riders team that are essentially bringing back the same staffs and very similar roster. But there's chemistry between the guys. Like I was looking at my... Looking at my, I'm working on a new Argos depth chart that I want to put out uh, probably next week. And I've got 10 new starters on defense, 10 new starters on offense for the Argos. But consider that not only are they new starters, of those 20 guys, none of them were even on the team in 2019. So you've got 20 starters that have never even played a snap for this organization. And then add the coaching staff into that. We, We need six weeks. And so, and in a 14 game schedule, there's, there just, there aren't six weeks. Uh, you can't you can't just wait. So I want to see I want to see the schedule open with Ottawa, Ottawa, BC, Ottawa. That's what I want my <laughs> my first four. That's that's my wish. Uh, that, that, is, that will do it for me. That is a fair wish. Uh, he's doing great work on all things Argos leading up to training camp positional breakdowns. And uh, make sure that you are following him on Twitter. What's your handle again there, Ben? Ben double underscore grant. There you go. Ben double uh, double underscore grant. I was going to say, Ooh, I almost said Ben double blue underscore grant. Jeez. I would have, maybe, maybe it's a handle for the future. You never know. Maybe a little, uh, little spinoff handle there, but uh, again, X's and Argos is where you can find them. And of course, cfperspective.com. Thank you for doing this, man. It's great to catch up with you. I hope everything is well. And uh, I hope that you enjoyed the skinny dip and stout tonight. Thanks so much, Marsh. It was, it was great. Uh, anytime. Canadian Football Perspective is brought to you by our friends at Fox 40. As always, the worldwide leaders in whistle technology. For 15% off all your return to play whistle needs, visit fox40shop.com and enter the code CFP15. And don't forget the new promo code CFL. It'll get you free shipping. Free is good. We like free around here on Canadian Football Perspective. Free shipping on your first order over $100. Shipping is available to Ontario residents only. Must be of legal drinking age. Make sure that you are downloading the podcast, subscribing, telling a friend, and uh, expect Connor and Wade to have another great sit-down coming up on All Canadian tomorrow. Braden Statchel from CFL Reddit was fantastic on their show on yesterday, back on Tuesday. If you want to check that out, go to the feed. It's all there for you. Thank you, as always, for tuning in and uh, looking forward to chatting with you coming up on Friday. Myself and Kyle Mello will send you into the weekend here on Canadian Football Perspective. 